all year, all year round, you look forward to this part of the year. And it was looking at some point we weren't going to have this part of the year. And, and that's, I'm, I, I am happy that we get to celebrate like the seasons and the summer and, and the patio and the weather and nice weather is taken for granted so many places in the country. Um, but it's nicer. People really, really celebrate it and they want to get out. This is Food at a Radio is all dressed up and has no place to go. I did something unusual recently. I ate at a restaurant. I sat in one of their chairs and ate off their plates and everything. The restaurant was Daisy's in Logan Square, a great neighborhood pasta place and farm-to-table restaurant, owned and run by Chef Joe Frillman, which builds a lot of its menu off food grown by his brother Tim, and recently launched a farmer's market on weekends, selling Tim's and other local farmers' produce. This may be what restaurants look like when we come out of this, some of them anyway. So Joe and I talked about that, along with the controversy over local restaurants that's been bubbling up on social media. Here's our chat. Hello. Hey there, how are you? I'm doing great, how are you? I hate the whole world, but you know. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> we are in the cranky phase of yeah, I know. people being out for three months. Yeah, the uh, cooped up. A lot of pent-up aggression. <laughs> yes, that for sure. We're fed up being inside. We're ready to go out, and yet we're all afraid of going out. And I don't know how going out works now. You know, I mean, yeah, it's it seems. I I still have not gone. I, I I mean, I go to work every day, but I haven't been in a restaurant or on a patio yet. Um, I really would love to go. I just have two children that <laughs> make sure we don't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but I'm curious, like, what was your experience like? Uh, I know for us it's weird. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. It's, it's it, just an odd feeling. Well, okay, so, yes, yours is the one restaurant that I've actually been to, sat down. Uh, although I sat down outside on a bench yeah. at uh, – <laughs> In Naperville at the Sparrow Cafe. So oh, nice. Yeah. That's, that's, How is that? That's, that, that's it, supposed to be great. It's really cool. It would be nicer if you could go inside and sit down, but, you know, <laughs> it's fine. The waffle. Get the Belgian waffle. But, I uh, had it. They, they gave it to me in their, uh, in their kitchen here uh, when they were testing it out, and that yeah. thing is knockout. It's great, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Daisy's is the one place that I've gone, and, I mean, I think the – the truest comment, and it's not a criticism at all, is that it's like going to a restaurant in the off season. You know, you're in yeah. a, you're in a ski town or something, yeah. and a place that's built to be packed and buzzing. Yeah. Instead, there's two tables full, and that's I just know, it's crazy. It's just how it feels, and it's going to feel, and it's going to take us a while to kind of smooth the edges off that and figure out how we. You know, how we enjoy much less populated restaurants. I mean, some of them are built that way. Eventually, we're going to yeah. go to Ever, and it's built for that. So that's fine. Sure. But, you know, Daisy's is a is a neighborhood place, and part of going there is being happy to see it doing well and that people appreciate it. And it's just, hard, you know, it's just not part of the feel of things now. Agreed. We I can't tell you how many 
nice. I mean, like even service for us is just so odd because we're in an empty restaurant cooking yeah. with no noise, with no anything. Um, even it, it's been like that even since, you know, prior to this, we didn't do pickup or takeout or delivery or anything. Um, and so, you know, when we open back up in May, you're, you're just, it's like all this stuff going on. You look around and you don't, you don't hear the normal things that you're hearing. You don't see the normal things that you're seeing when you're in such a repetitive process. Every night is very similar to the last, uh, in service in regards to service, et cetera, the steps that we take and the movements that we make, um, that it's just been, it's just a very odd feeling to be in a restaurant expediting or, uh, you know, <laughs> wiping to go boxes as opposed to rims of plates. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just weird. Um, and, and that's, it's the patio opening. Um, even, even in, in my interaction and talking to people normally you go, if you, especially, you know, you go to a table and you check in with people, especially people, you know, um, there's usually, it's usually a busy restaurant, then your conversation can kind of be uh, hidden from, or at least semi-private from the rest of the dining room. Cause there's so much noise going on and everybody else is working or music or whatever. Now it's like you're the center of attention and everyone can hear your every part of your conversation. So it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I mean, actually I, I didn't feel that so much. We were out on the patio for a bit and then it started sprinkling, which yeah. of course is the other problem is just Chicago's highly yeah. inconsistent weather. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, the patio seemed fine. It seemed pretty much like the patio has always been. I wouldn't have necessarily have thought differently of it. Yeah, you know, if, I, if I hadn't been there and known how many tables there normally were. Sure. So, um, but yeah, when uh, then we went inside to the table on the street, of which there's room really for only the one we were at. I'm not sure where all the other people that night went <laughs> when it started raining. Uh, yeah, they're, Maybe they're yeah, just tougher couple, than we are. <laughs> we had a couple of tables. One table just sat out there. Uh, he wanted to sit there in the rain and just he endured the entire thing. He didn't even come in, which I thought was pretty crazy. Um, uh, everybody else, we kind of, we've had to learn how to shuffle. And that's part of this has been, is like, if it rains and inclement weather comes, we're literally supposed to pack their food up and send them on their way. Um, but the other part of that is, you know, we're still trying to be hospitable in some aspect of what we do. It's, it's just what we've always done. And when it starts pouring rain, it's kind of hard for us to ask people to stand in the pouring rain while we box up their food and get their stuff ready to go. So we're trying to navigate that. Uh, but we basically have zones in the restaurant where we're cordoning off where, you know, there's only six tables, but we can lead them to a section and say, just stand right here. We're going to get your food, take it to go. Here's your bill. Um, but even that aspect of things is, is like very, it's all very new and we're trying to figure out the most efficient and seamless and, you know, polished way to do all this, but it's really hard to be, even even the aesthetic of like to me of like wearing gloves and a mask it's just right. very odd looking um, from a service it's 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 not what we're used to yeah I mean, that that's sure. one one that I think like in six weeks it's just normal oh, you mean people didn't wear masks before all this yeah, yeah. you know yeah but <laughs> this first time it was a little bit like being held up on a stagecoach to have someone show up at your table every time yeah. with a mask on. Don't try it. I want all your, <laughs> give me all your, your gold and jewelry. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if you have to kick people out early in their dinner, I mean, that's yeah. that's not a happy thing. I'm, I'm, no, I would I know, know it wasn't your fault, and I would still have, like, a little bit of a cloud over my head about, yeah, I love Daisy's till that time they kicked me out. <laughs> yeah, we got you know, like, well, that's part of, like, we're trying – it's it's you know it's literally written in the city's hand. Oh, I know, I know. Like, they gotta go. And I'm like, what am I? You know, what are we supposed to do? We're we're gonna add. We're looking to add the front patio to this as well. So we we're that's part of it. Is like we're we're trying to we have no flexibility whatsoever uh, with weather. And the, the one of the hardest things for us has been you know with with servers um, getting them to come off you know, unemployment and giving them enough work, especially if it rains three or four days out of the week, I'm asking someone to come off of unemployment with potential of just, just if the weather's bad, we, we, you know, how much of that can we afford to keep paying them out um, and, and make it worth their while to essentially come off of unemployment? Because um, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, we're, we're definitely the people that we've worked with, we've worked with for a while and we want to make sure that they're taken care of and they, you know, their bills can be paid, et cetera. But it's like, I, I can't, I can't guarantee anything right now. So it's just a really weird right. place. And then we have all these different revenue streams coming in to try to get to any sort of percentage of what we used to do in sales. And it's like, we've got a patio and then we've got pickup and to go. Um, we're starting delivery now because if the patio, if it rains, we have to have our food. We have to have an outlet somewhere. We'll turn on the delivery when it rains. Um, we've got the Sunday market, you know, we've got, um, this market that we're trying to build in our back room for, for, uh, you know, how many different revenue streams is it going to take for us to get back to what, you know, even 50% of what we were doing. It's pretty, pretty crazy. So like managing all of that on top of, um, you know, managers doing them, doing every job and us basically doing every job has kind of changed the model of what we used to do. Everybody, um, that we, we brought back, uh, most of our, you know, a, a good percentage of our kitchen staff has, has been back uh, and we're asking them to do more than just cook these days. It's, are, can you, are you willing to be a food runner? Are you willing to be a server? Are you willing to be a dishwasher? Are you a prep cook? Are you a host? Um, or can you bartend? So they're getting um, involved with all this stuff as well. And it's great. It's actually kind of fun because they get to learn different parts of the job and understand. I think it's going to be good in the long run because it puts empathy Pits other people and understanding of everyone else's role in the job and how hard it is to actually be a server, how hard it is to actually be a cook. Um, and, and so it does put a different perspective in these guys. Um, but that's, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like this whole thing and how to, how do you adapt and how do we make sure that um, basically we have to get to a certain amount of overtime with these guys before we bring some, before we know it's worth it to bring somebody back in so that they can get off their unemployment and, and come into work. So um, it's just, Every, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just like, it feels like one big, long dream slash nightmare in the past four months. And, and it's like everything, everybody's in a fog. It's really it's odd. Let's go back in time to when this was first, when this first started coming. I mean, where, when yeah. did you realize that your whole business was about to shut down and change radically and all that? I, uh, I really, I actually really started paying attention to this much sooner than I think everybody else was uh, once I think in the, towards the middle of February, right after Valentine's day, um, I started looking at future bookings, which we've, you know, we started seeing the news come out 
more and more about something that this should be, you know, being paid attention to. Um, and in the begin- end of like towards the end of February and early March, um, and March for us is one of the slowest years, of, uh, months of the year anyways, but this was all of a sudden a cliff. Uh, I, I kind of saw like, Hey, in case that this affects our business in any way, like I literally started looking at lines of, you know, credit and, and even loans where it was like, we want to have some sort of working capital as a fail safe, just in case it, it, it slows the restaurant down um, in some way. And, and this was long before anything was talked about. And I don't know if it was just um, me being hyper <laughs> aware of what's going on, but um, I, I kind of looked in, I, I applied for some certain things, the lines of credit and loans, and I was going to take them. And then at the last second, I was like, you know what? I don't know what, mid-March, March 17th, March 22nd, I think, is what the city shut it down or the state shut it down. I, to myself, was basically saying that if they're going to shut this down, it would be better for us if they shut it down as opposed to letting everyone fend for themselves. Because um, the way I saw it is if if they shut it down, they're going to have to help everybody back out, everybody out to help get it back open. And so I figured if we're all in this together, um, we have a better shot of of getting – um, some sort of assistance as opposed to like, you guys are on your own, <laughs> go find whatever loans you can find or whatever lines of, you know, whatever favorable situation that you hope to find yourself in. Um, but it was, it was honestly the end of February, early March that I was looking at it. I didn't think it was going to get to this, this point where they literally shut it down. I thought it was going to be, um, you know, reduced, you know, capacity in some sense of, from a diner's perspective, I didn't think it was going to be like a government mandate. I was actually quite quite relieved um, when they did uh, mandate a shutdown because then everybody's kind of in the same boat. And it's like, how do we how do we collectively do something to help everyone else? Um, but yeah, that was that was um, it. Seems like years ago, to be honest right. with you, at this point. All right, and um, so you you initially still had takeout, I guess, but by the we time- did. And then you shut it down very quickly. So what what happened there? Uh, we were exhausted. Um, the uh, entire service staff kind of, well, obviously we, we shut down. We kept uh, Thomas, who's our chef de cuisine. Um, we kept the uh, Becca and Kevin, who are our front of house managers. And we kept as many cooks as we could. Um, but we were doing, it was very busy uh, for us those those two weeks after it got shut down because you know, a lot of places, the options for a lot of places uh, for dining options kind of went down. So um, we ended up being, you know, especially uh, doing everything we possibly could to stay open and keep going. But we started losing staff members for various reasons. And it was, I'm going home or I'm going to go, you know, stay with my parents or, or, you know, hey, I've been in contact with one individual who may have had it. Um, and at that point, there was no like testing Um, and so it was like a self quarantine situation where we would lose somebody for, you know, two weeks possibly to, to self quarantine. Um, and no one, you know, we have not had anyone test positive, uh, in the restaurant. No, no one here has, we've had people get sick and we've had them get tested and it's all come back negative. But, um, as we started to lose, uh, like the options of cooks, we only have, we only had three cooks, four cooks when, when, um, we kind of closed anyways. So then it just became, I had, I was moving. Uh, I moved 
out of the neighborhood uh, and into a house April 1st. Um, and I was so tired that um, not just physically, but just mentally from the whole month and dealing with all the shit that was going on um, and the future of your business and then buying a house you know, right, yeah. uh, with, a, with a business that all of a sudden that was thriving and all of a sudden we have no idea um, what the future of this industry looked like at that point. Uh, and then like we signed papers on a house on February 28th. <laughs> so it was like um, all for all of this to go on in that month. I just said, you know what, we're going to close for the month of April and let this pass because at that point too, it was starting to get worse. Um, and, and we didn't want to put people at risk. We didn't want to, you know, my wife's a school teacher. She uh, a CPS school teacher. So um, once they, once they said school had to stay home uh, and daycare was, was over, um, there's no chance that she was, you know, going to be able to cook, or I'm sorry, there's no chance that she was going to be able to teach, uh, while taking care of a three-year-old and a one-year-old, right. uh, at the same time. So, uh, I, you know, on top of moving on top of, you know, we had, you know, we had a month to get our, uh, our house ready. We bought an old house and it's like, we had a month to get our house ready and I'm sitting here sending contractors home, uh, who are in the middle of working on, uh, you know, rooms that we were planning on having done before we even moved in. So I basically sent everybody home. So then I, <laughs> it took the month of April because uh, to fix the house up, to move, to watch, to, you know, to watch or help wash our kids. Um, and also to, to let's see what, you know, see what was going to happen, how bad it was going to get. Um, all of that was, was kind of, you know, I just told these guys, we're so, everyone's so tired. We need a break. Um, and so we just took the month of April off. May 5th, um, you know, we, we also didn't know what the future of the restaurant looked like from, you know, the PPP and all these things, all these programs and everybody's of course panicked because, you know, if you don't get it your first round, it's, you know, your livelihood, your whole, I've worked 20 years to get this restaurant to where it is. And, and it's still, you know, scratch, in my opinion, scratching the surface of where we wanted to go. We finally had the best crew of people we've ever had working in the restaurant. Not to say the people before that weren't amazing, but these guys have been able to build on everybody else who has been here. Um, the season, my brother, you know, was going into his second season for uh, after he purchased Leaning Shed Farm in Michigan. And so we kind of figured out, you know, as he gets the lay of the land and understands what grows well and what doesn't. And um, we were finally getting to a place where we were like really excited to go with the best team we've had. Thomas uh, Leonard, who's, who has taken over as the chef cuisine of the restaurant right now. He's just fantastic at what he does. Um, and it's finally getting these people in a, you know, to help us and to help everybody be a team and grow. Um, we wanted to take a step back and kind of uh, reevaluate that. And so then once we got, you know, we did get this, our, our, um, uh, the PPP stuff, it's allowed us to kind of pay, pay who we can and, and re, you know, reimagine what the next step of this restaurant is going to be. Um, well, let's talk about your brother. Cause that's a part, a big part of it too. Um, you were, he has a farm, he had one in Buffalo Grove. You say he now has one in Michigan as well. Uh, and part of the idea was that his produce would come to the restaurant and get used in the restaurant. And now you're not an outlet for him. He's growing stuff and you're not a place to get rid of it. So, well, it's not even just us. Um, you know, he was the, the, the great situation that we have is that, you know, we kind of get priority and first pick of what it is. There's a lot of things that we, you know, we would help purchase seed and 
um, things where it's like if there's certain certain ingredients that we wanted, we would get first dibs on them, or we would buy the seed for him and he would grow it for us. Um, he also has 20, about 25 other accounts in the city, and so when the road kind of got pulled out from him as well, um, all of a sudden he had to. Um, he's got two farms. One that's in it's still up in the Buffalo Grove area. It's about 80 acres, and now he just bought this 30 acre farm um, in Michigan, which is about 90 minutes outside the city. Um, we, we buy, we used to buy everything from him, um, as much as we possibly could, but with losing that now he's had to, you know, switch that model as well. So, but we're in helping and do that. He's now doing, you know, straight to consumer, you know, CSA boxes, if you will, but it's more of an a la carte situation as opposed to like, uh, you know, you pay $800 upfront in a year. Um, now you can shop like a virtual market, like uh, kind of everyone else is doing at this point. Um, but you can also pick that produce up any day of the week here in the restaurant, uh, except for Mondays. So um, we've allowed that outlet. Uh, but then he lost all of his markets too. So like Green City Market and Logan Square, I'm not sorry, not Green City Market, uh, Logan Square Market that he's in, he's in the Deerfield Market, he's in uh, a Buffalo Grove Market and Suburban Markets. Um, he lost all those outlets for him. And so we decided to open the restaurant up here on Sundays um, once we found out the Logan Square Market wasn't going to go. Uh, and we figured we have a lot of friends who um, are not only in the neighborhood, but they're also, um, they lost a lot of their accounts for businesses as well. And we said, hey, why don't, would you be interested in having a farmer's market style situation inside the restaurant um, and on the patio where we can control certain things because it's not an outdoor market? Uh, and that's been very good for, for him as well. We've, we've shifted to do that um, so much so that we're, we are, the back room of our restaurant, we're, we're basically ripping it up and turning it into a full-time grocery um, so that he can sell his product in here as well. We've got 200 apartments across the street that um, need a grocery outlet. And we figure we've got this amazing produce plus our products like pastas and sauces and things that we make here in the restaurant, but also a lot of our friend stuff as well. So Preserve States has their tinned fish with us. Um, rare tea, we sell their teas and a lot of their products that these products you can't really get in grocery stores. Um, and we figure we're going to have it in our back room. And then at nighttime, that is going to convert into back into dining room seating. So you're going to be eating in a grocery store, which is kind of weird, but fun, fun at the same time. I had a great experience, actually. Uh, do you know Rossioli in Rome? Have you ever heard of that? I'm not, no. All right. Well, a lot of, uh, you know, if you ask a lot of the people who have Italian restaurants in Chicago, they'll know Rossioli. And it started sure. out as a, um, you know, there's like, there's a bakery, there's a uh, cheese and meat store, and they do dinner every night in the cheese and meat store. And you're just like wound through it next to the deli cases and stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was charming. <laughs> It was. Yeah. It beat uh, you know the usual interior with a couple of you know concrete statues of ancient Romans or whatever. So yeah, and that, I mean, I worked. Uh, I did some consulting in, in uh, Mississippi and in Virginia, um, and it was in Oxford. And you'd go into like a gas station, and they just have like the best fried chicken you'd ever had. And it's just like what the hell is going on here or butcher shops that have barbecue out the back um it's a similar kind of situation and for us you know this is always something that we kind of wanted to do anyways um before we even opened it was part of the concept the, the original we were looking for spaces that had some sort of 
we've always said like, wouldn't it be cool if we had a farmer's market in the restaurant that, you know, Timmy, my brother can sell his product straight through us to the general public. And then anything that potentially, you know, isn't going to sell um, or is, you know, we want to be able to rotate it through to have a better, you know, a fresher product available for the, for the consumer we can use, utilize to run through in our normal prep. So a lot of it parallels through the menu. And it's kind of like that, you know, um, a lot of the stuff that we do in the restaurant is generated from scraps anyways. Uh, and so a lot of, it opens up a lot of opportunities for us to have, it, and it makes sense with, with what's going on in the neighborhood. Like I said, there's this giant um, apartment building with retail and, um, you know, there's 250 apartments in there, I think. That's an immediate necessity, you know, it's an immediate revenue stream for us. We were planning on opening lunch anyways, um, but this is, this is kind of going to be a more casual atmosphere. Come in, sh- you know, you can shop, but we're also presenting people with, um, you know, on their way out the door with their check. Here's a grocery list that if you need groceries for tomorrow, you can pick stuff up and we'll deliver it to your table and shop for you on the way out the door. So um, there's all these different things that we can kind of tailor it to be a kind of a kitschy, fun experience, but also providing really good, great stuff. Yeah. I, um, I mean, it sounds great. It's interesting that you were thinking about it before it was sort of forced on you. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we really were. We, um, their spot, there was, uh, man, a couple of years ago, five, four years ago, Bill Kim uh, was leaving uh, the place he had on Western there, Belly Shack. Belly Shack, yeah. And uh, we had talked about that space and that we were going to turn it into a, basically a farm stand. Um, and the farm stand, it would have been a farm stand market first, kind of like Foxtrot, I guess, if you will. Like a farm stand, I don't, like a farm stand specialty kind of boutique grocery store first with a little cafe that you could get food. Um, but for whatever reason, that the space just didn't work out, and we this actually fell in our lap. Um, and so that was that was we were definitely thinking about that prior to this whole thing. And we're always constantly trying to figure out how to integrate the farm aspect of what we do more and more into the business, and how do we integrate that? Um, because it, there's it's just a great source that a lot of places don't have the luxury of using. Yeah. Well, I always said that to people. I mean, about. Smith and their relationship with uh, the Papineaus who have the the farm yeah. down south. It's like, you know, everybody talks about that. What's cool isn't that the place that's 200 bucks for dinner can do that, but that the place that has pastas for fourteen ninety five on the menu is doing right. it too. It's the same thought process that, you know, we saw. Um, can we, you know, can, a, can one restaurant be sustained? How many, you know, how many restaurants can that size farm kind of sustain, uh, especially with us? And it's, it's kind of, the thread goes through everything that we do here in terms of like, you know, we really, you know, I worked for Paul Verant for, uh, for a year. I've known him for a while. And, and that year changed the way I thought and approached food period of just like, how can we use as much as what we can, especially for my brother throughout the year? It doesn't, why is it, why does it have to end right. in, you know, uh, September and harvest season. Um, and it really changed the way and with, you know, working for, <laughs> for Pandel where every, every single thing, like talk about a dude who, um, utilizes every piece of, of waste you, you can, that was just ingrained in us at all times. Like when we were working at the Bristol, it was the restaurant when we first started had just no money. And it was like, how do we, how do we get as much out of these products that we're purchasing? 
Um, and that, you know, I dropped a lot of parallels to that, what we did here. So we're, we were underfunded when we opened. We have to scrape by and scrap and, and kind of use everything we can. How do you monetize everything, but make it just, just delicious. And so everything that we do from scraps and preservation, but also like taking prime products and saving them for December um, in January and February, it's a, it, it's a challenge. It's, it's been fun to rethink a lot of um, how can one or two, how can one farm, one farmer, uh, and also Klug, like Klug farms a half a mile from where his new, his new place is. We get all of our fruit from there. Um, so a, a ton of our product comes from the same, you know, five mile radius in Michigan. Um, we don't use, you know, we use, we still use broadliners. We still get product from Italy and California. It's not like we don't, but uh, it just, this part of the country just drives, that part of the country just drives our menu so much. It's a lot of fun to cook with. Working within those constraints, um, I think a lot of good things come out of that. But yeah, that's, like when I saw Smith was doing, had the same thing, and I was like, that to me still is one of the best meals I've had in Chicago. It just oh, yeah. blew my mind that it's just mind blowing how, how, how much fun you can tell that the challenge that they're giving themselves and the fun that they're having with, with that. Um, I think it's very, you know, anybody can go around the world and get the, you know, the best product from, from these places, but can you, can you narrow your, your focus and can you, um, you know, work within those, those constraints of, of that farm and those ingredients and um, figure out the seasonality of them and create the things that they create there and, in the environment that they created. I, it just blew my mind when I ate it. I was like, this is, this is fucking great. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, but I think it's, you know, you're doing the same thing on a somewhat different level. Yeah. Um, but it is that, essentially that closeness. Oh, here's this thing. It's fresh. It is of this moment. What do I do with it? Mm-hmm. What do I, how do yeah. I make it interesting? How do I integrate it into the kind of things we do? And, uh, but yeah, then we're, we're looking at the same kind of problem, which is, this is only going to be so long, both that you'll have fresh stuff and you can, you know, preserve things to some extent. Um, but also just the ability to run with all the windows open and people in the back and everything else. I mean, we all know what the deadline is on that in Chicago somewhere, somewhere in September or October, that is never going to happen again until the next year. Well, and that's part of it is the celebration of, you know, you, you, you crave this time of year Yeah, all all year, all year round. You look forward to this part of the year. And it was looking at some point we weren't going to have this part of the year. And, And that's, I'm, I, I am happy that we get to celebrate like the seasons and the summer and, and the patio and the weather. And because I think it's taken for granted so much here, uh, or I should say nice weather is taken for granted so many places in the country. Um, when it's nicer, people really, really celebrate it and they want to be out. Um, yeah. And that's part of, that's part of that season. Like I'm telling you, I've eaten nothing but asparagus for the past three right. weeks. It's the <laughs> only time. It's the only time of year that I eat asparagus. So I'm like, I'm going to get my fill of it. Um, and, and that's kind of what it is. But I also like, you know, the, the fact that one thing that we really enjoy is, is, is like in February or, you know, December or, you know, opening something up that we did make at this part of the year. And you do remember that season. It's kind of nostalgic in a way of the season of like, man, this was so good. Um, because there is times that I do want to eat, you know, you crave like an asparagus or a tomato in December. And it's like, well, it might not be the exact um, uh, thing that you were going to eat when it was in prime season, but you know, you still get to open that jar or, 
whatever it is that we that we made with those preserves and 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 kind of eat it that way. We always joke that this restaurant was, you know, when all these food shortages when all these food shortages were going on, um, and and you know, toilet paper and whatever products, it was like, you know, so I told the whole staff all the time, like we got a whole restaurant full of <laughs> packed away preserves and. We've been uh, doomsday prepping for years here, so we've got plenty of food in case anybody needs it. It might be, you know, fermented, uh, you know, mustard, mustard greens from a year and a half ago, but um, it'll keep you alive. As long as, long as you, you like the taste of vinegar, you, you're going to be yeah. okay. Yeah, you should. Yeah. You're going to be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but I mean, so this runs two, two and a half months, maybe three if you're lucky, you know, then what? Do you know, or you don't? <laughs> we, we, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Every day, it's, it's crazy. We had, you know, we, we just started up. It's just, it never ends. We've just started back up May 5th, I believe. Um, May 17th, we, you know, it rained like crazy. Our basement had two feet of water in it. So we had to restart everything we prepped, everything we prepped. We had to reprep again um, and scrub and, and make sure everything was um, back to where it was. And then two weeks later, you know, go by and then we shut everything down again for protests and, um, you know, the, the things going on. Um, we have no idea what's going to happen two weeks from now, but we're planning on, um, you know, I, I, I'm thinking the patio will get us to, you know, hopefully October. I, I fully, hopefully believe that they're inside of these restaurants in some form will be reopened. Um, to be able to, you know, whether it's 25% capacity, 50% capacity, um, it's going to have to happen at some point unless, you know, things take a drastic turn uh, in the fall, like, you know, people say it's coming back. Um, but this market idea for us, you know, it's going to go uh, as long as we can do it. Um, the growing season does come to an end. The actual grocery store itself back here, we're going to, um, we're going to keep doing it. Um, it. And, you know, right now we're not doing a traditional brunch like we used to. We used to have brunch Saturdays and Sundays that's kind of been replaced by this Sunday shop, if you will. And um, we're going to address that when we get to that point. Uh, if it's still worth bringing people in, as long as people show up, we're going to keep doing the Sunday shop uh, and we won't go back to brunch. If it gets to a point where it's like in October and, you know, farmers, their season's dying down. The other thing is that, you know, my brother, we, he still has tons of product all the way, usually through February. It's usually root crops and storage it's still product that exists. It just is in storage and you can still get it directly from the farmer. So he'll still have stuff to be able to put out. It might not be lettuce, um, but there's also, you know, other purveyors. It's not just farmers that we have at the market. It's public and quality bread is here. Um, we have uh, preserved states. We've got Trent uh, Sparrow from Catalpa Grove. He uh, does pork and lamb. Um, you know, pilot project breweries down the street. We have other vendors that aren't just farmers. So we want to keep that aspect of things going. Um, and, and outside of that, who knows? Uh, I, this is, this is always going to be, um, the direction we're going. Like I said, where we wanted to have it kind of in the beginning, we're embracing that and we want to double down on it. Uh, what we found, what we found is like, people really want to buy fresh pasta in the store, even if it's not made for them, they want access to, we, we're selling, like, we're selling so much, um, you know, fresh pasta by the pound. It's nuts. All this stuff's handmade too. It's not, we don't have an extruder. We're sitting here with a machine making it. Um, we're trying to figure out if there's an avenue for us there uh, to, yeah. to be able to retail, to retail our stuff, not only through our market, but we're, you know, we get a lot of requests of like, Hey, 
can we put it in our, in our, in our store, in our baskets? Um, can we put it on our shelves? Can you make kits for us, et cetera? Um, so we're, we're really uh, looking to go that route with it. I think what's going to have to happen here is a lot of restaurants, not all restaurants, um, like you said, like the average of the world. And you go to a place like uh, RPM Steak where the tables are, you know, gigantic booths and you don't have to be anywhere near anybody. Those, t- those places I think are still going to do um, just fine. Uh, but for places that are our size and, and like, I always think like of a VEC, like how is a VEC right. a place that you're going to eat so close to each other? And that's part of the experience. Like, um, I'm really curious to see like, what, what is the, what does that restaurant look like? It's my favorite restaurant in town. It's like, what does that restaurant look like after, you know, something like this? Uh, I think what's going to have to happen is these kind of restaurants because they're, you know, you eat pretty close to each other here when we're full capacity. It's going to have to be multifaceted. It's going to have to have some sort of other, it's just not going to be able to just rely on the dining aspect of things as much as, as we used to. It was hard before just relying. We were open five nights, you know, we were open for dinner five nights a week, two brunches. That was tough. It, it's really, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like you're sitting here printing money. You're still, um, it's not like we have private events or parties or, uh, you know, things where margins are much better. Um, we're just doing dinner service. So a lot of that I think is going to have to change. Um, and that's why we feel like this grocery, this retail elements of things, the produce, the being able, being able to, you know, um, create market boxes, et cetera, uh, it's all, it's all, it's like these six different revenue streams that we have coming in still only doesn't even add up to 50% of what we were doing in the past. So um, it's tough. Like what, what is, what does this look like? I don't know. Um, but we're going to, like, like I said, if people keep coming out for the markets on Sunday um, and supporting it, we're not going to stop it. Even in the wintertime, we'll have, we'll have that available to people to come shop. Um, so who knows? I, I, I'm not going to lie. We're having fun with it at this point um because it's been a challenge and trying to learn new things and open new stuff i've never run a grocery store before i have no idea what i'm doing um <laughs> but it's, you know it's a learning experience and we want to be able to get our products out there and i think there as long as we can learn and have fun with it and do it in a safe manner i think that's been a really high priority for us is like you know we we all have people who we work with but also at home and you know that could be at a higher risk uh, if they do, if, if they do come in contact with this stuff. So that's, uh, it's all stuff that's really, uh, it's a, it's a weird time, especially for us to come, you know, make those decisions on public health. It's really, it's, uh, it's a, it's a hard place to put a business owner in. You know, we started by talking about how there's, there's just a lot of bad feeling out there right now after three months of nobody working, nobody being able to leave the house, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot about fat rice or anything like that, but I feel like we started out with ideas of how to make the restaurant business better and fairer, and now we're at the point of people attacking exactly the kind of people like Josh and Christine at Honey Butter who are trying to do that. I I just, man, I saw, I've been seeing some crazy shit. They tried, uh, one of our former employees tried to start some shit uh, with us as well, and it's like... Um, he got zero traction whatsoever because <laughs> it's like the original email, he tried this in February where he basically tried to, um, get a staff like walkout because he wasn't, he thought he wasn't treated properly, which is just bullshit. But, um, I, I think what these kids don't realize is sometimes you're just not good at your fucking job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. Like some, not everyone can do everything. And, and I just see, I look at, I look at like the, the honey, buddy, honey, honey butter fried chicken 
whatever that was that took place. And it's like, um, we have been, we as a restaurant were going to their meetings to see how they're paying people because it's just such a better way to do things, not from a business perspective, but literally for the staff um, that we're implementing what they've been doing. And I, when I start to see certain things that, you know, somebody's posted some comments about, you know, Hey, I worked here for, you know, X amount of time and they're still using my recipes that I've never received a cent for. I don't think you understand how restaurants work. <laughs> you're not, you're, you're coming up with a recipe is not, it's not like you get commission on what they sell um, of your food. If you're paid to come up with recipes. So I thought it was, that was pretty interesting that they think that their recipes are their property. Well, and how original, how original can that really be? You know, it's I mean, fried chicken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's not like, you know, it's not the, um, it's not the, the Jenner to what is it? Jenner Tomaska or, or Mike Bagale, the way they, they're floating right. balloon, whoever, whoever made that. It's not that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's what the hell is going on in the world right now? It's pretty crazy. You know, I've done interviews with them. Nobody's getting rich at honey butter. You know, nobody. Josh's big achievement was, you know, at 42, he finally got a house instead of an apartment. And, you know, this is like, (laughs) we, people think we're millionaire. I don't understand. Like people think like, the margins in this business are, are just, they're not, they're, they're just not great. No matter what you're doing, if they're great, you're, you're doing something. Um, you're doing, you're doing something to, to get to that point where, you know, you're doing either crazy volume. Um, your product is probably, uh, you know, not the greatest, uh, it's probably from a broadliner. Um, but if you're sitting here trying to make great food, um, responsibly and try to like, they, I can't tell you the conversations that, you know, that was a, like, I've had so many conversations with Josh and Christine and, and Cam and, and like about their, like everything, their ethos and everything they're trying to do. And for them to be just, not everybody's perfect, man. Like no, nobody is perfect at what they do. And a lot of these situations, like they, they try so hard to make sure that they have an environment that is inclusive and, and pays people properly. All I want is to, to pay my employees as much money as I can pay them. But there, it's a business one at the end of the day that has to stay open so that it can continue to pay people. Um, but at the end of the day, also it's, it's part of it is like, what is the job that you're doing and what is the compensation that is coming from that job? Like if you get paid, you know, if you're making 15 to $18 an hour frying chicken, I think that's pretty good. Um, and, you know, can it be better? We always want things to be better. But to see them kind of kind of called out and try to, to be skewed, nobody's perfect. And, and at no point are they, you know, I'm not in the restaurant at all times. I don't know every single thing that goes on in my restaurant and the company. We try to be here as much as we can. Um, but it's also, you know, it's like, what lessons are you going to take away from that situation as well? I, this, the, the cancel culture, if you will, you're canceling things before they even have a, an opportunity to learn from the lesson to make, make it right. There's, if we knew everything that was the right way to do it ahead of time, we would probably just do it the right way 
ahead of time. Sometimes, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, we just don't know. And and once things are either brought to light or pointed out, or um, you know, I'm I'll tell you right now, I'm a much different person at 37 years old than I was at 24 years old or 25 years old. You can ask everybody in this industry who's right. working with me. They know that. They know that, right? They also, like, I also learned from from a, a, a very different way of doing things. Um, and But I had to go through those things to understand that it, it wasn't the right way of doing things. And if I didn't go through those things, um, I would never have learned the lessons to put me in the place where I am right now. So for me to sit here and try to run a restaurant that is built on the staff first and foremost, um, and making sure that they are taken care of as best as we possibly can. It's not perfect. It's still a restaurant. It's still a job. Not everybody loves going to work on a daily basis, but we try to do everything we can to make it as inclusive as, um, you know, as creative, as stimulating and encouraging and just like a place that, I don't, that, that you want to go to work to like, um, personally for me, I don't think about my personal money ever because I just never had it and I never will. Right. <laughs> and it's part of like, I, it doesn't motivate me as long as I have enough money to scrape by and pay my bills. I've got my, my sugar mama wife, who's a CPS teacher. You know what I mean? It's not like we're sitting here <laughs> going, going to the bank. It's, it's, there's only so much, you know, that you can do. And these guys trying to I really was inspired by the way that they looked at their business model. And it wasn't from a lens of like, let's, let's be as capitalistic as we possibly can and just, you know, capitalize on every dollar. And, and you, you have to do that anyways, but there's a way to do it with empathy and make sure that everybody isn't, you know, isn't is, is included as much as they can. And we really love their model so much. Um, and, and just the conversation we had. So that was, you know, I, I didn't go too far down the rabbit hole of reading the things that were being said because, you know, at some point it just becomes, um, you know, the pitchforks out and anything you say, whether you apologize or whether you, you know, it doesn't matter if you, then you're going to get skewered for apologizing the wrong way. There's get to a certain point where I'm just like, this is, you know, I, I'll, I'll take it for what it's worth. Um, but you know, not everything's perfect guys. These are small businesses that, that, that are, they're trying to scrape by, they're trying to do the right thing. Um, and there's definitely instances in a lot of these, you know, I don't know, I don't work in these places, so I'm not going to sit here and say that I know anything about the culture, et cetera. Um, but it's, you know, there's, there's a way to go about it. And there's, there's also, uh, there's, there's also not, I just feel there's, there's a presumption of guilt on these people. Oh, you own a business. You must be evil. You must mistreat That's people. Fine. Let's, I, you let's... know, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. What, I, I, that, I, I feel that I feel that very much as well. Like part of the whole thing is like I we donate and we do charity and we do we donate so much of our time and our product. And I don't sit here and yell from the mountaintops that I'm don't like I have to sit here and tell everybody that I'm donating. I, we do what we do because we believe in it. I don't have to tell everybody that this is what we're doing. It's not to me that's like I'm not going to sit here and, and, and misuse it from a marketing standpoint. Like, but you have to know what I donate and who I donate to. We do a ton of stuff. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and go through just, just because you're, you know, you're saying you're calling me out on, on, you have no idea what we do. <laughs> you have no clue. Yeah. So, uh, do you think people's attitudes are really changing about what, how, you know, that they're cooking more at home, that they're, that restaurants are for getting the, the pieces of food as opposed to a finished meal or does it 
go back to normal and two weeks later everyone's forgotten all of that um i man i i think if anything i think people have even more you know, hopefully a, a bigger respect for the amount of work that does go into the food that they eat um you know we joke that uh with this patio the past week um it's like so many people leave saying this is the best meal they've ever had in their life <laughs> because they've been eating out of boxes for three months. They have no idea what a, <laughs> what a fresh plate of food tastes like because it's been in, in a car for 45 minutes. Um, but I, I think, I think that's part of it. You know, I think, you know, I think food has always been um, underpriced uh, in terms of the amount of work and that it takes to execute the quality and, and standard of food that you're receiving in a, in my, you know, this is a pretty casual restaurant, in my opinion, in terms of service style and having fun and laid back, you know, um, but we still take it really seriously. So um, the amount of people it takes to make the food that we make, is, you know, it's crazy. We had 30, I think it was the height of this, 36 employees. We're wow. open for five, five nights a week. Um, it's very involved. We make every single thing from, you know, from scratch that we possibly can here. Um, and so it's, you know, we're down, like right now we're at 10 employees and it's like, we're trying to, you know, I think the, the consumer has a general, uh, much more appreciation for the amount of work that goes into this, hopefully, because they've been doing it at home themselves and it might not taste the way I can't, how many times have you heard somebody be like a steak? I can cook that in my house. Like, Oh, well, I ate this, you know, um, I ate this piece of, you know, um, steak or fish and and I, I paid thirty dollars for it and and they complain about a price of it and, you know you know commonly referred with or commonly followed up with the phrase of like well i can do that well now you've had three months of people trying to do that right. um and so, some are better at it than others and and the people who want to take it seriously but there's a lot of people who have no idea how to cook and trying to navigate that and going through and cooking yourself um hopefully the appreciation of the amount of money that it takes to get these things going um, and to get the food on your plate in, in a way and serve it in a style that makes you feel you know, like you're welcome and you're included. Um, it's all something that I think there's a general, hopefully a, a greater appreciation for that. Um, you know, like I said, my wife's a, a school teacher. We, we think there's been, it shines some light on how important teachers are uh, with everybody <laughs> yeah. having to homeschool their own kids um, and, and how important, you know, daycare and, and, and child, child care is for everybody. But I think it's that, and I hopefully that you know um, to still be able to give um, you know people a career in this restaurant. You know, prices across the board I think have to go up eventually, um, and I think there's there's hopefully some understanding that comes with that after this. Hopefully, there's jobs and money left to pay those prices. It's <laughs> uh, for you know as long as everything keeps going here. But I think it's you know that hopefully. Um, a general understanding of how much it takes to do this shit. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a pretty good cook at home, but there just comes that day about every five or six days where I'm just sick of what my cooking tastes like. I want to taste somebody else's. I mean, and, you know, I mean, I, I'm not even sure I could tell you what it is, but it's like I could blind taste things and know which ones I made, even if they're in totally different genres, just because. I apparently have a style without any conscious sense of what it is, but I do the same <laughs> things over and over yeah. in different genres, but I'm sure I'm treating them in similar ways. Anyway, it is such a pleasure to have someone else's cooking. It could be Pequod's pizza. It doesn't matter. 
It's like, like, but yeah, it's like, give me something that didn't come from my own hands. And yeah, it's so I, I, I appreciate that, even though I have kind of liked, you know, cooking so much more and cooking for my family, you know, I mean, that's, that's been a good time and it's been good with the kids, but you know, I I've said this a couple of times in this podcast by now, I just want to go to a bar for an hour and sit there <laughs> yeah. and just like have the vibe. I don't have to talk to anybody. Yep. I don't really yep. care that much what I'm drinking, but just to be in that world. Cause that's just, out of reach you know it's yeah prohibition has been declared so <laughs> no and that i you know i i go through this i i haven't cooked at home in years right. and um it's that's it's been nothing but that and you know and and so as somebody who knows you know is trained how to cook and I, you know i i feel like i'm fairly competent at it um I get sick and tired of eating my own food all the time. I'm usually the last person. I'll, I usually I just eat at the stove. The problem is, is I'm usually <laughs> eating at the stove because you're tasting so much food that you're not even hungry by the time it is right, right. to sit down and eat the food that you're that you're making. So, um, but it's it is. I've you know there's 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 so much good and and so much bad that's come out of you know or so much bad but there's I think there's so much good that's going to come out of all this. Um, you know when we're when we're looking at it down the road here. Um, but that's definitely been a highlight. I've, I've been able to you know, how many times can I, in my lifetime, am I going to be able to spend two months with my kids at home uh, at a daily basis, hanging out? It's not going to happen very often. Um, And so we've really tried to embrace that aspect of things um, and and look at the the brighter side of of all this stuff. Um, Because if we're not taking lessons away from this entire thing, this going through this entire process is completely pointless. And I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Thanks for listening to Food Eater Radio is all dressed up and has no place to go. And thanks to my guest, Joe Frillman. Music is by Kevin McLeod. Please subscribe to Food Eater Radio at the podcast app of your choice. And consider leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts to help other people discover it too. Thanks.